0: I ran into a student and I, she was like, where are you going? What are you, what are you up to? Are you going to preach somewhere? Yes. She said, did not that, that, that hard to just go somewhere and preach somewhere? And I was like, not really, because I get to go preach and then I get to leave. You know, it's much, it's much harder to go preach somewhere and then have to go preach somewhere the next week. But coming to Downtown Prez, I'm starting to feel um, a little bit more at home. And, I, and every time I'm here, um, I meet more of you and I recognize more faces and, you know, honestly, I, I, le- I always leave this place very encouraged by the people I'm meeting and by the conversations I'm having because of your, your love for downtown and your love for the gospel and just the way that this place seems to be um, growing in many ways, not just numerically, but, but in depth. And, and so, from an outside perspective, be encouraged. Um, I always leave here encouraged by you got a couple passages that we're going to look at today and the first one is from Luke chapter 5 and the second one is from John chapter 21 and when you read when I read both of these passages you'll you'll see the the similarities in both of these that this is a miracle that Jesus replicates during his ministry on earth and there's so many similarities in these passages but What's going on in this in these passages, as we're going to see today, is that Jesus is directing these miracles really directly at Peter. And he's doing this in order to teach Peter. And what we're going to examine today really is Peter's responses um, in both of these passages uh, to this miracle. The first one takes place after Peter had known Jesus probably about a year, and the second one takes place after the resurrection. It would have been the third time that Peter would have seen the risen Jesus. And Jesus replicates this miracle. So, this is God's Word that we're going to this morning. It's not, it's not my opinion. It's not my thoughts. Um, it is the Word of God that's been breathed out for us. So, let's listen to it. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on Him, Jesus, to hear the Word of God, He was standing by the lake at G- Gennariset. Gennesaret, excuse me, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them, and they were washing their nets, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's. He asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, We toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled both the boats so they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they, were, they left everything and followed him. And then here's the passage from John 21. It's after the resurrection of Jesus. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have, any, have you caught any fish? Do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore said to Peter, "It is the Lord." And when Simon P- Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in the boat dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far off from land, but about a hundred yards off. And when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were, there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? For they knew that it was the Lord. Amen. This is God's word. Let me pray and ask his blessing upon it. Heavenly Father, we ask this morning that you, would, that you would humble us before Your Word, that You would remind us this morning that, that Your ways are not our ways and Your thoughts are not our thoughts. And, and I pray that You would help us as we come to Your Word to, to be like Your servant Samuel, just to say, speak, and we're, we're going to listen to what You have to say. Father, open our ears, open our hearts, keep me from error. Father, I pray that You would leave us um, changed because of the encounter that we have by Your Spirit with Your Word this morning. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Like probably many of you guys in this room, I, I grew up in the church, and it was a good church, and I had great parents, and it wasn't until, but it wasn't until about my late teens that I really, I really started to understand what it meant to be a Christian, and I really um, began to, to follow after Jesus, and really, what had happened prior to that time? It's always interesting. The older you get, and as you look back on your life, and you say, "What was going on during those first years of my life?" Um, because really, I was I was in the church, and I would I would go and I would participate. But there was my life was really marked um, with indifference to Jesus, and it was marked with um, with really with apathy which I heard someone say recently that the opposite of love is really not hate, it's apathy. And I was someone who was, who was full of apathy, and yet, if you would have asked me, are you a Christian, I would have said, well, of course I am, because I was, I was saying that my proximity to Jesus, I was mistaking a relationship with Him, I was mistaking knowing Jesus because with, with proximity, with just being in the realm of, uh, of who Jesus of where Jesus was and what happened what what changed was I began to go to a church where the preaching of the gospel was was being poured out in such a way and I was' in, that that I was seeing Jesus and I was seeing God in a way that I'd never seen him before and my my reaction to that because simultaneous in my life I was beginning to see that what a, what a sinner I was that my reaction to actually seeing Jesus for the first time was I became very afraid. That I became terrified, in fact, because I was beginning to see God for who He really was. I was beginning to see His holiness. I was beginning to see His, his glory and His power. And it was like a spotlight that was coming down into my heart, onto my soul, and it was exposing me for what I really was. And the facade that I had built up as being simply a good person, a churchgoer, somebody in proximity to Jesus, a facade of holiness began uh, to crumble, and it, it wasn't enough anymore. It crumbled in light of His glory, and I realized for the first time in my life that my only my only possible response to this type of God was to fall down before Him, and was to beg for mercy. I had nothing else to offer Him. And when Peter, when we look in this first passage in Luke, when, when Peter sees Jesus really for who He is, it's, it's almost like Peter sees Jesus for the first time in this miracle. And what happens to him is it totally undoes him. Because Jesus shows him His glory. And Jesus shows him His power and His holiness. And Peter's reaction to that at first is fear, Is terror. But much later in the passage the second passage we looked at when this exact miracle is is replicated by Jesus Peter's response is to jump out of the boat and to swim to him is to is to rush towards Jesus and not not out of fear but but out of love and and, and knowing Jesus in a completely different way and this morning what I want us to look at is is the Jesus that brings fear and then the Jesus that brings freedom because we live in a place, in an area, in a country where it is easy to make the same mistake that I was making—to just simply be in proximity to Jesus. And I think there's something in this life of Peter. There's something as we as we look at the life of Peter that we we begin to see that really following Jesus, encountering Jesus, means being struck with fear. But it's a fear that turns into into this incredible freedom. So let's look at that. This morning, the Jesus that that brings fear in Luke chapter five. At the time of this of this miracle, as I said, Peter had known Jesus for about a year, and so he had listened to Jesus's teaching. He had watched Jesus do things. He had um, he shared meals with Jesus. He watched Jesus perform a miracle that um, Jesus had healed his his own mother in law, and so Jesus had had been. Peter had been close enough to Jesus to to begin to trust Him, to be curious, to build a trust with Jesus. But in this particular incident, Jesus pulls back more of of that veil. Jesus pulls back a little bit more and shows a little bit more of His glory. It shows a little bit more of who He really is. And Jesus is giving a picture to Peter of his, of his power. And it may help to, to kind of set the stage on this when we, when we look at this miracle. Um, Peter had, he had just finished a night of fishing. This is what Peter did. We know Peter was a fisherman, so he'd been out on the lake, he'd been out in the boat, and it had been a night of very unproductive fishing. And he and his fellow fishermen, they were now off the boat, they were... Um, they were doing really the most dreaded part of any workday, sort of the cleanup. And it's even wor- it's sort of a worse night of cleanup because there wasn't anything to even show for it. They'd just been dragging their nets through water, and there's no fish. And so they're at the end of a day, um, which end of a, really a night coming into morning, and they'd, they're washing their nets, they're cleaning up for the day. And Jesus comes to Peter and says, You know, will you take me out in one of the bo- Boats. Because a crowd had gathered around Jesus, and Jesus wanted to use the boat sort of like a pulpit to stand in and preach from. And so Peter does it, and Peter takes him out um, into the boat. And when he's done Peter, teaching, he says to Peter, You know, why don't we why don't we try again? You know, since we're out on the boat, why don't we try again um, to do a little fishing? Why don't you put your nets in a little bit deeper? And it, <laughs> Peter is a fisherman, right? Jesus is a carpenter turned public speaker, right? And so I imagine Peter's kind of like, okay, you know, I sort of know what I'm doing. Um, I do this for a living, Jesus. Jesus probably had been on boats and been in the lakes before and had fished before, but he wasn't a fisherman by trade. And so when Jesus starts giving him advice on how to fish, um, I'm sure that, and we see it even in Peter's response um, that there's a there's a bit of irritation. But ultimately, and I, I want to spend a second thinking about this. This isn't the main point, but ultimately what Peter ends up saying is. If you say so. If you say so, Jesus, if if you tell me to put my nets back in the water, um, it doesn't really make any sense to me. Um, it doesn't seem to be logical. But I'll put my nuts back in the water. What if you say it, then then I'll do it. And I think it's as we look at that in this passage, just Peter's response, even though Peter doesn't fully understand who Jesus is yet, he'd come to know him well enough that his response to Jesus, even when something even when a command was given to him that was utterly illogical in his mind, that Peter's response was, If you say so, I'll do it. It's going to make everyone else mad. They're going to have to drag the nets back out. Everyone's going to be irritated. But if you say so, I'll do it. And maybe it's good for us to ask the question, do we ever do, we ever do things simply because Jesus says to do them? And even if they don't fit into our plan, even if they don't fit into our own logic, th- that these words of Peter, they're not the most beautiful words that Peter speaks in the Bible. They're not the most eloquent words. They're they're not the most bold words, but they're words of a, of a man who is humble before Jesus. And we could see that, that Peter is being readied to hear, to see what's about to happen next. And so he says, I'll say so. And most of what Jesus asks us to do in our lives doesn't always seem to make sense. It doesn't always seem logical to us, does it? I work with college students and there's so many things about what Jesus calls us to in the Christian life that doesn't always seem logical to college students. It doesn't, it doesn't seem logical to remain sexually pure. It doesn't always seem to make sense because it seems that there's this natural raging impulse that's within me. It doesn't always seem to make sense to um, for the, maybe for for us who are a little bit older to hold loosely to our possessions. It doesn't always make sense, as Jesus commanded us to not worry about tomorrow. And yet, do, are we close enough to Jesus? Are we? Have we encountered Jesus to the extent that that we say, "If you say so," is Jesus your? Is he your master, or is he just your advisor? Those of you who have children, you know that, um, especially if they're young, and my children are still pretty young. There's a point at which this, you know, this relationship changes. But right now, when they're young, you're their master, right? Um, because they don't know very much yet. And so it's like when I, I, I don't advise my children as much as I, at this point in their life, I tell them what they need to do. And it's not like you kind of, I go to my, you know, my four-year-old, um, Sam, it seems like it would be a great idea to maybe um, clean your room, you know? And why don't you, why don't you ponder that? Why don't you consider it? Think it over. Uh, maybe weigh the pros and cons, get back to me the next day and um, see what you think about it, you know. Or um, if it was up to Sam, he would wear the same underwear for like weeks, (laughs) right? And um, I have to tell him, no, it's time to change your underwear. And and so scripture, Scripture tells parents, you know, to teach your children. It tells children simply to obey your parents. And it doesn't give a lot of caveats to that because what's happening is that as children begin to learn to obey their parents even when it doesn't seem logical that they're actually learning to obey God and to listen to God and to and to to hear him speak to them even when it doesn't seem to make sense. And so as we teach our children even as we as we display that then we're actually teaching them something about how to how to believe in God and how to listen to God. And so he's not our advisor, he's our king, he's our master. And this king and this master comes to Peter in the place where Peter is an expert. And I think it's really interesting that Jesus chooses to act and chooses to display his power and his control in the place where Peter is most competent in his life. I think he does this both to challenge Peter and to shock him. And Peter, Because Peter knows that there's no fish in the lake. Peter knows that he's been fishing all night. Peter knows the spots to go to. Peter knows the cycles in which fish come on. Peter knows that this is the worst time of day to be fishing. And Jesus is directly assaulting the common sense of Peter and saying, put your nets back in the water, put them out a little bit deeper. Peter says, if you say so, and Peter does it, and what happens is... Those nets become so full that they begin to break. And and Peter's response to this is that he is astounded by it. It says that all of the disciples are astonished, that they're calling over the other boats because there's so many fish. They're having to fill up the other boats, and the boats are beginning to sink. And they're all, they don't know what to do. But Peter's response is the only one that we really have recorded. And his response to seeing Jesus talk to nature, control the fish in the sea, his response to that is to fall down before Jesus and say, I am a sinner, O Lord. Basically, what Peter's saying is, get away from me. Get away from me. If Peter wasn't on a boat, he probably would have turned tail and run away from Jesus at this point. Because what's happening is Jesus has shown Himself... He's shown a glimpse of of who he really is. He's shown a glimpse of his glory and a glimpse of his power. And when we see Jesus for who he really is, it exposes us for who we really are. It's like a mirror, and it shows us our sin. And so Peter's first response is fear. And it's good for us to ask have we ever responded? Have we ever responded to God in that way? Because if we're living in proximity to Jesus, but we're, we don't really know Him, it's it's easy to go along and to never really see His glory, to never really see His holiness, and never actually respond to Him in such a way that actually does bring fear. That there is a good kind of fear that the Bible shows us over and over again. And it's the fear that... that hum, it's, it's seeing God in His glory that humbles us. Have you encountered God in that way that the only result is that you're completely undone you know over and over again in the bible i mean we see we see examples of this and my favorite example of this is, is in job and you remember at the end of job that job is, is sort of challenging god a little bit and he's and and god just unleashes on job and he starts asking job all of these questions just these obscure things if you go back and read the past last few chapters of Job this afternoon and you know do you know when the basically when the mountain goat's mate have you watched that job have you seen it do you know like all of these intricate things about creation and god saying i made all of that and job's response is what he says i'm undone i don't know what else to say i won't say another word i put my hand over my mouth that the glory of God that the that the holiness of God silences Job and it causes him to tremble. We kind of experience this maybe in in some ways just in with people that we really admire and we really look up to who we think are sort of um, demigod status. You know you have these people in your life and you they do everything so well and you're just you just love them but you you're kind of attracted to them but you're also repulsed by, by them at the same time because you love the how well they do everything but the the more you're around them it shows them it shows kind of how you don't do things well. I think this is why it's wrong for us to think that we can we can get closer to God by simply being more religious. It's wrong for us to think that we can get closer to God by simply having a, a more moving experience because to really Come close to God to really come close to Jesus will mean that it will expose you. It will show you who you really are. The closer you to get to Jesus, the the more you're going to find out the the darkness that is there, and you're going to see it. Have we experienced that good type of fear? Have we met the living God? Have we peeked behind the veil? Have we seen His power? The question is, if we have, what is our, what is our reaction after fearing? What, is, what happens after we see that and after we see our own sin? Because what happened in, in Peter's life is that he began, he was totally undone, and then we, we have this record in the Gospels of over and over and over again, Peter sort of trying to make it up to Jesus, That over and over again we see Peter sort of asserting himself. Peter making these bold claims about who he is. Peter saying, I'll never deny you. Peter over and over again trying to show Jesus that he's really better than that. He was repulsed by what he saw in himself, but he spent much of his remaining time with Jesus trying to show Jesus that he was worthy. And... I think that some of us can very, very much relate to that. that. That we may come to church and we may start to see a little bit more of who we are and it may cause us to fear and we may leave going, well, what does that mean for how I'm going to be a better person this week? How do we go from meeting the Jesus that, that strikes fear in us to running to the Jesus that brings, that brings overwhelming freedom and we see it in that next passage. We see it after the resurrection of Jesus. We see that something had changed in Peter. That Peter was a man who was dramatically different than he was in Luke chapter 5 from where he was in John chapter 21. And what basically happened to Peter is that it had clicked for him that Peter began really to believe the Gospel. That he began to believe it. And what do I mean by that? Well, Peter, at this point in his life, was not less of a sinner than he was back in Luke chapter 5. He wasn't less of a sinner than when he first had this miracle, this encounter with Jesus. He had actually seen himself to become more of a sinner because by this point in his life, he had denied Jesus emphatically. He had shown himself to be a failure of a disciple. He had blown the whole thing. He, he had thought Jesus had died. I mean, if, if anything, when Peter, we, we would think that when Peter sees Jesus on the beach, he would say, Paddle the other way because he's come back from the dead to get me, right? Oh my goodness, he's come back from the dead and he's after me because I have, I have been such a failure. But that's not what happened with Peter. Peter. He was stripped down for work, puts on his garment, jumps in the water. And John says they're 100 yards off and he swims 100 yards, which I don't think I can even do. And he runs into that shore to meet with Jesus. And what's changed is not that Peter has magically become less sinful, but he's come to understand that 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 holy, powerful Jesus that he met that day on the boat is the same Jesus that went to the cross for him. That's the same Jesus that that took all of that that had been exposed, all of that that Jesus churned up in Peter's life, so that Peter could see that was that was the grace of Jesus to show it to him. Because Peter, because Jesus was wanting to show Peter, that's all that I had to die for. That's what I came to do to bring you this freedom. And it's so I, I love I love the fact that Jesus chooses the exact same incident. The grace of Jesus to, to replicate this incident for Peter. And then to share this meal with him on the beach. And then, if we read on to have Jesus restoring Peter three times, that's what causes us to move from fear to freedom. And we have to ask ourselves do, we, do you know that, that kind of freedom? The kind of freedom that even in the midst, even in the midst of your most devastating failures, even in the midst of your of the dark nights of your soul, even in the midst of the times when you have let down everyone around you, even in the midst of those seasons in your life when you're realizing that you're much worse than you thought you were, Are you able to still run to Jesus? Because you've seen the one who died for you, who was buried for you, who was resurrected for you. Maybe the question for us is, is this, is seeing more of your sin does it does it drive you does it drive you to Jesus or does it drive you away from Jesus? When you're coming off of that horrible failure, is it, does it drive, is it driving you increasingly to despair of yourself and being disappointed in yourself? Or is there actually something in you that's changing to such a degree that you've seen the abundance of forgiveness and grace that is in Jesus that even when you see more of your sin, there's a part of you that begins to rejoice. Because you're seeing more that your Savior actually died for. You're seeing more that He actually covered Does seeing more of your sin crush you with fear, or does it make you does it make you leap? Because at the moment you see it is the moment that you know that there is an answer to it. An answer that you cannot give, that you cannot provide, that only Jesus can provide, and one that He has provided. I know that in my my own life, you know, we look at Peter and we kind of go, oh, well, this seems simple. It goes from fear to freedom and it's very easy and it's kind of laid out there for you. But we all know that it's not that simple. And we all know, and I know that in my own life, that process of moving from fear to freedom is slow. And sometimes it's, it's a daily process of, of once again seeing my own sin, of seeing more of the depth of who I am, and seeing more of the darkness of who I am, and still wanting to do anything but turn to Jesus. Because there is a pride in us that rises up when we see our sin. There's a pride in us that still wants to say, just hold off a little bit longer and let me see if I can handle this. Just hold off a little bit longer and, and let me see if I, can, if I can do this on my own. And every day, it's, it's a process of, of us wanting to prove ourselves worthy, by what we do, that if we really start to do the analysis of why we do what we do on a daily basis, of why we chose the job that we choose, or why we wear the shirt that we're wearing, or why we talk in the way that we do, a lot of times it's this intricate, complex process that we've developed to make ourselves worthy. Peter had one, and it's laid out for you in Scripture, and you can look at it, and at this moment when he runs to Jesus, it all comes crumbling down. Because it clicked for him. That he has been set free. What happened to Peter is not that he became a better person. It's not that he became a better disciple It's not that he had a reason to leap out of the boat and swim to Jesus because he wanted to tell Jesus of something great that he had done. It's that Peter had seen himself, seen more and more of a sin, that Peter had grown downward and downward, but it was an opportunity for Peter to embrace the grace that was given to him in Jesus. And what it did in the life of Peter was that it transformed him from a fearful man who was desperately looking for approval into a forgiven man who was who had been set free to follow Jesus without shame and without fear and without guilt. And if we look at the rest of the life of Peter, it's not that Peter is no longer a sinner. It's that, that this transformation that ha- had happened, that he was had been set free by Jesus so that Jesus might use him to build His church and use him to build His kingdom. Because Jesus knows that it's awfully hard to build the church, to build the kingdom on somebody who's still in their own shame and in their own guilt, still staring at their own sin, that they had to be liberated from that. And that's what He does for us. That's what He does for every single one of us who call on the name of Jesus. It doesn't matter how bad it is. It doesn't matter how devastating you think that your sin is that Jesus has offered to each and every one of us this morning, again, to believe in. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we, we, don't, we can't even muster up faith. It's not even in us. We need Your Spirit to come and work in us. We need Your Spirit to come and to drag us again to Jesus, to point us to Jesus, to show us, Maybe through revealing to us, again, our own weakness that we need Jesus. Father, we we simply need to be thrust back upon His grace and His mercy. Father, forgive us for the ways in which we want to run away from grace. We want to run away from mercy. Because we're still very prideful people. Father, we pray that You would break us this morning. We pray as we come to Your table that You would that You would show us Your mercy, that You would show us Your grace, that we would taste it, that we would touch it and we would see it. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.